Hey everybody, welcome back to the Grand McGovern Podcast. Now there are only 12 days left until Christmas, and that means more terrible Christmas music and sappy holiday movies than any person should be made to endure. In an effort to combat this rampant attitude of festive good cheer, for the next 12 days we will be giving you some alternatives to the traditional 12 days of Christmas with some movie choices of our own. Open the door! She's begging me to Hey everybody, this is David Brown, and joining me tonight is Morgan Rodner. What's going on, everybody? We'll be tackling number 10 on our Christmas movie list, 10 Cloverfield Lane. 10 Cloverfield Lane, a movie that was uh, seemingly shoehorned into an anthology uh, set of films, with the third movie coming out, I think, late next year. Something like that, but again, I don't know if it was if this movie was written to be a Cloverfield oh, it movie. Oh, definitely, it was not. No, they just yeah. adapted it they, to make they, it a Cloverfield movie. They bought the they bought they the Oceans movie. Twelve did, <laughs> I guess so. But uh, you know, but that's the point of anthology is one doesn't have to do anything else with any of the other films. It's so the, actually, it's an interesting question. This is an exceptional science fiction film or an exceptional suspense film, really, is Depending what, on what, what it definitely is. Yeah. And would this movie have been released and made and had been, you know, been been allowed to be released if it wasn't shoehorned as a well as a Cloverfield movie, or is this now a really good independent film that got some money behind it because it was made Cloverfield? Well, here's the thing: I think either way, had Bad Robot got it, uh, regardless of whether they made it into a Cloverfield movie or not, I still think it would have gotten made just because. Somebody saw potential over there in order to get it. And I think it was uh, smart because, you know, unlike the original Cloverfield, which was a found footage film, this one is a straight up narrative. Yeah, it's, it's a it, traditional it, suspense movie. Yeah. And it's a, a suspense movie in a couple of different strange ways. Number one, in keeping in with the cliche of uh, suspense films, is very claustrophobic because from the beginning of the film, you're thrown into a bunker with seemingly a madman played by uh, none other than John Goodman, Mr. Who, crazy Man himself. He, I mean, he excels at playing crazy people, mostly for the Coen brothers. For, but, yeah. but uh, yeah, no, he's he's... He's Let's... always, but he's also lovable at the same time. Not necessarily in this film, but well, you look at John Goodman, and you don't immediately think that man's crazy. Yeah, but I think even in the roles that, uh, in, like for the Coen Brothers, you mentioned like the Cyclops in Oh Brother, We're Out There. It's always a, a sheep in wolf's clothing. Like uh, same thing with Barton Fink. He's a nice guy that just wants to be friendly, and then he turns out to be the devil. Exactly. You know? oh, how are you? I'm Satan. <laughs> so there's there's a lot of there's a lot of little things like that with his character in this one, but it's played so much more subtly that he is terrifying. Like he he has bits of realism throughout the movie that sway your opinion on him. So when you first meet him, he captures our main heroine, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who's gotten to a car accident in the beginning of the film. And he quote, saved her from the car wreck and brought her down and like, you know, bandaged up her leg and everything because there's some giant mass infection spreading around their particular area. We kind of gotten the idea that there was some sort of global thing going on in earlier news reports that we'd been hearing with her, but we didn't really get the idea of that it might have been, you know, a Cloverfield monster or right. zombies or whatever it could be. We just knew that there was something going on. So when she wakes up in the bunker and wants to leave, you know, there there's reason to believe that she's, she's thinking, why am I locked in this bunker? Why is he telling me that there's this global pandemic of zombie type things going on. I, I can't believe this crazy man. I need to get out. So, well, especially because he's locking her into this little, like, I don't know, 10 cell, by eight. Yeah. yeah. 10 by eight room. Like it's a tiny little thing. 
And, you know, it's uh, it becomes a trust-building exercise almost. Like, if he can trust her, then she can come out of the cell and be a normal person. Now, what's crazy about this movie is, is it escalates your unaware that it's not just him and her. So when we find uh, Jim from Newsroom. <laughs> I don't remember his name in the movie. It might be Jim. He might Jim, just be perpetually Jim. Jim Jim Gallagher, the watermelon smasher. The... <laughs> um, he uh, He's just a normal guy that happened to be living a property over from John Goodman's character and knew him well enough and heard his stories about all of the crazy alien activity and whatever else this guy believed to know that he had a bomb shelter, and if something were to go down, that that would probably be safe haven. And this is actually really comforting to learn when we one that we learn that this guy's here, and two that he appears to be a normal guy that right. we can immediate, immediately find some camaraderie with, and he's backing up John Goodman's story, story. of of yeah. shit went down up there. That's right. why I'm in here. Right. I even broke my arm trying to get in here. That's how much I needed to get in here. Right. So you know now it's the questioning what's real. And what's not now it's trying to figure out and piece together each character's story to figure out what actually lines up and what's being what what's the fake part that's actually keeping them in that bunker. So when we actually do get a glimpse of the outside for the first time and we do see a lady that's coughing up blood and clearly something's wrong with her, we get the idea that something much worse is going on now. One of the big things about this movie is it's a genre hopper, meaning it changes its classification of what the film is several times throughout. So we start off as a horror movie, and then we move into a suspense movie, and then we move into a survival movie, then we move into a sci-fi. And I mean, it gets it gets really intense, and it's not one of those movies you can second guess. It's not one of those movies where you can predict what the character's going to do, because somehow they keep upping the odds and death is so final in this film that you know what's at stake and you know what these characters are willing to do to survive exactly and every time a decision is made in the movie there's no you know the audi- the audience doesn't have an option to to think oh, what if she did something else no that happened and now we've immediately moved on to this other thing right. so you know it's constantly moving you forward and you know, there's, there's, like you said, there's just no looking back at all because thing every, not even just death in this movie, everything, every decision that's made in this movie is so final because essentially John Goodman is like a, a, a vengeful God type figure because any time anything goes against his he preordained plan, exactly, he loses his mind uh-huh. and he, he can go from being, you know, high, like a, like a dad type right. guy. He's like, yeah, we'll play checkers and something, but if something even minor just clicks and it's just like suddenly suddenly he's in your face and he's the camera's pulled right up to him and he's basically spitting and it's like right. oh well it's, it's like uh when they are when they're doing the uh because he has his own little entertainment center built and he has all his vhs tapes that he's saved and or in dvds that they can watch and like i remember one time that he he catches uh mary winstead elizabeth whispering to the other guy and then his excuse to kind of yell at them and be stern with them because they're whispering is, you didn't rewind one of the tapes after you finished using it, you know? It's like one of those, like, ah, Jesus Christ. This is like if dad, if he were evil. Yeah, so, but, yeah, it's an incredibly intense film all the way through, but it's it's just, it keeps you spellbound. And uh, it definitely has an ending that uh, I, I'm in agreement with Morgan about. It's that it kind of, this is where they shoehorn in the fact that it's a Cloverfield movie and it right. kind of feels 
forced. Yeah. It, it, it's not that it feels forced. I mean, you couldn't have made it a Cloverfield movie without a lot of uh, trouble. But it's it's sort of like it's like maybe the director left after yeah. he finished his scenes, and yeah. they got a, an effects guy to come in. Right. It's a much bigger CG climactic ending, and it doesn't quite match the rest of the movie at all. Yeah. Um, it's something that felt fabricated specifically to. Uh, satisfy studio heads or you know who whoever may have been the powers person in charge yeah but um the one thing i will say just to make my christmas metaphor is the fact that john goodman is this movie as you all know he's robot santa from futurama <laughs> or, uh and you know he, he's he's xmas he is xmas so uh enjoy your xmas with uh 10 cloverfield lane starring mr john goodman all right, guys, and be sure to tune in tomorrow when we tackle number nine on our Christmas movie list.